Welcome to another episode of Residentially Speaking, a podcast dedicated to bringing you interesting and informative content from key builders, dealers, thought leaders, and influencers across the residential construction industry. I'm your host, Alan Hubble. For today's episode, we're trying something different. We're reposting another podcast. This is the Mighty Buildings Podcast, featuring Chief Sustainability Officer of Mighty Buildings, Sam Rubin, and he talks to DuPont's very own Sean Hunter, our Chief Sustainability Officer for the Performance Building Solutions business. Sam and Sean will have a discussion on what sustainability means for the construction industry and where it might be going and what the future might hold. It's a conversation you won't want to miss. In Sean's role, he sees sustainability across a number of parts of the construction industry. And with his background and experiences, you'll hear him talk about what the future might bring, what it might mean, and what are the possibilities. It's a conversation you won't want to miss. I'm your host, Sam Rubin, Chief Sustainability Officer and co-founder here at Mighty Buildings. And today is my distinct pleasure to welcome Sean Hunter from DuPont. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thank you, Sam. Awesome to be here. Really excited to have an excellent conversation today. Likewise, likewise. Now, I know I know most of our listeners have probably heard of DuPont, uh, but would love to hear more about what you do there because you're doing some really, really cool things. Yeah, for sure. So I, I've got the awesome uh, responsibility of leading sustainability and product stewardship for our shelter solutions business, which is really DuPont's building and construction business. And we're focusing on uh, providing products and solutions to um, the exterior or the um, uh, the building envelope as well as interior surfaces. So um, that, that's kind of you know where, where we're playing. You can think of from an insulation perspective brands like Styrofoam or um, you know Tyvek house wrap. Uh, you can think of Corian solid surface as you know the products you've probably heard of. Um, you know, perhaps even even listeners have used a couple cans of our great stuff, uh, one component foam to insulate the roughly half mile of gaps and cracks in the average home. Um, so that, that that's us as well. Um, but in, in terms of the, the sustainability focus, um, you know, my my job is really to activate the DNA that exists within our business. And I, I say oh, that because that. <laughs> I, well, and we've really I mean, as we've as DuPont has kind of relaunched its its you know as a company in the last couple of years and, and you know new sustainability focus you know we we've done some really deep thinking as a business and have gotten to that that realization that I mean sustainability has been sort of part of who we are which I hate when people say that because it's always like all right well then why do we have all these problems right but you know if you look at it from you know insulation products that have been saving energy greenhouse gases for seventy five years you know a little bit there. Um, on the Corian side, you know, zero landfill waste plants, recycled content, some of those things. We've got a great starting point, but if I, if I talk about the DNA, it's really our people. I'm just like so lucky to, to work in a business filled with talented, passionate, really smart experts that see we've got these big problems out there and, and really want to do something about it. We've got some great examples of just awesome teams doing awesome things, but that's that's what it really is about. So you know, my job is to um, really funnel that passion and sustainability driven energy to help drive our sustainability vision forward. That's that's awesome. And yeah, no, it's amazing what happens when you just have brilliant people on your team um, and just can tap into their passions and like really let them just loose on big problems. For sure. Yeah, that's something I mean, that's literally something that excites me every day is coming to work and getting to interact with those folks and, you know, the challenge of figuring out, all right, what, what do we do next? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, that's always it. Cause like, particularly when you're like an innovator, like DuPont is like mighty buildings is it's really, it's like, okay, this is what we're doing now, but what's next, how are we going to already be thinking about disrupting ourselves and what's, <laughs> and how do we keep getting better? And what are we going to need? If once we solve this problem, how do we solve that problem? And just continuing and really having that systems view and given kind of the breadth of DuPont, um, I'm kind of curious how you guys are are able to really tap into that system that you guys, because you guys more than most companies really are operating with it, it across many aspects of a bigger system uh, rather than just kind of focusing on one little piece of it. For sure. For sure. So as a company, um, you know, we, we launched our 2030 sustainability goals a couple of years ago. And from there, it's a matter of, um, you know, each sort of individual business unit looking at, well, what, what do these mean? How do we bring these to life? What's important to our markets or customers? And really, where can we have a positive impact in these goals? So at the DuPont level, we've got goals organized around innovation, operations, and, and people. In our business, we've really focused on, on five of those goals um, it, because these are the things that we, we know are like really important, big problems, things that we're, we're already working on in some sense, but we know that we can drive forward and make an even bigger impact. So if I just drill into a few of those, um, I, I think of like the three C's for us. So it's climate, circularity, and chemicals, right? <laughs> so without a doubt, climate is our number one focus. Um, and, you know, you look at the, uh, you know, you're, you're very well familiar with, you know, the contribution, uh, the sort of impact of the built environment on climate, right? You know, 40% global greenhouse gas emissions. And, you know, having products that can both save energy, reduce GHGs, and design those products with lower embodied carbon, like that's absolutely something we, we have to do. So we've been do, making some progress there. And, uh, you know, our goal is to reduce our own greenhouse gas emissions 75% from our operations by 2030. Um, but we're awesome. even it, like, that's, it, it's, a, it's a big number, right? Which is fantastic, uh, but but we're getting into scope three, right? We know that, that even yeah. that's not enough. So, um, you, you know, continuing down that journey. Circularity, um, I'm sure we both also love circularity, right? You could argue that, you know, the McDonough's of the world, you know, circularity was invented in the built environment, right? From from some perspective. And I think we, we realize that, um, you know, buildings themselves need to not only be a consumer of raw materials, but someday a source of raw materials, mm -hmm. right? And uh, in the meantime, those things that are going into the built environment need to come from some other place than the ground. So, you know, for us, it's a matter of how do we how do we drive that forward? Um, we're still figuring out how to quantify and actually have like a numerical target for the goal, but mm -hmm. you know, directionally, that's that's where we know we need to go, and we've got some things we're doing there too. And then, um, one of the great things about our, our business with the Heritage Dow and Heritage DuPont, really strong, you know, chemistry focus, is this focus on on chemicals from a green chemistry perspective. So, um, you know, we we have seen um, opportunity to really uh, what we'd say innovate safer by design. You know, we've invented some new materials that were intentionally safer by design. Mm -hmm. And we continue to kind of, you know, advance our formulations in that direction. So that's another big focus for us. So yeah, if we're, we're successful, we'll, we'll be driving progress across these three C's. <laughs> and that's awesome. And because you talk to scope three and a lot of, because for you guys, your scope ones end up being people, companies like Mighty Building scope three. And so that's like, it's one of the great things to know that you guys are so committed to that because it's going to really take the entire supply chain, feed the feed into all these different built environment aspects um, to, re to really get us there in terms of carbon. So. It, yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, add a fourth C around collaboration, right? Like that's <laughs> we can't get there without full collaboration. Um, it, it's 100%. funny you mentioned that. Like just yesterday, we were having discussions with 
um, you know, a potential low carbon raw material provider, right? And we're sharing these ideas and, you know, what, what, what can you do? What do we need? What would it take? And, and you have to have those conversations. And then if you think about the whole value chain, that it's more than just two, two folks talking yeah. together, right, to make it actually happen. So, yeah, that's certainly uh, the, the mindset we have to adopt to actually drive change. Yeah, and that's and it's great to hear that you guys are kind of sending yourselves in the conversation, similar to the way we at Mighty Buildings are really trying to again disruption through collaboration is something our listeners have heard me say probably ad nauseum at this point, but it's true. I mean, that's that's really how we're going to make the change we need is together. It's not there's no one's going to be able to do it all themselves, and I think anyone who thinks they are is is in, is in for a rude awakening. So I think that's that's why it's awesome to, that we're connected with you guys and you guys are doing this work and kind of those cascading impacts across that value stream. I think is going to be so important. Absolutely. And, and and before we got started here, you were talking a little bit, uh, we were chatting uh, a bit, and you mentioned something that you've kind of been changing how you communicate internally uh, around uh, these issues. Like we were talking specifically around the use of the term climate crisis instead of, say, climate change. Yeah. And we'd love to, love to hear more about why you made that decision. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it, the, the communication aspect is something we've been really trying to focus on this year. Uh, both externally and internally, and just really leaning into d doing more. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, when the the you know IPCC report came out on August 9th, it it just really hit me. It, it was sort of a you know a, a slap on the head, like, "Hey, sustainability guy, are you really doing enough? Are you pushing hard enough?" Right. So, um, totally. and I, you know, you read what's in there, and you really appreciate the science and where things are going. And it's like, okay, how can we just got to do more, right? So just one of those things was um, to that that point of having a lot of passionate people in our business that want to drive change. How can we engage those folks and say, guys, look, this just happened. If you, if you didn't see this, here's what it's all about. Here are the take home messages. Here's what we're doing. And by the way, this isn't enough. We all got to work together to do more. Um, so that was a really important thing. And I did pick up from you in some of our past conversations, right? The use of the term climate crisis, which is like, well, of course, that, that's the way we got to be talking about it because that literally is what it is. And to just put a slide up and say, yeah, climate change, we've got these goals, like it's not enough, right? I mean, just the, the scale, the, the urgency of the action needed, it just demands it. And if I think about the, the way that as a business, we launched our, you know, our sort of our focus on sustainability last year, we, we took little icons for each one of the goals and we intentionally for our, our climate goal, um, you know, brought a stopwatch. It's like time mm -hmm. is running out, right? Great so, imagery. Yeah, we've, it, it's, it's it, it, one of these things, you know, people will say um, change happens through conversation and we just have to be having the right conversations. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and, and that's where the new ideas come from. I mean, to me, that's, that's like kind of the power of human ingenuity and get, and that's again, going back to why it's important to be, looking externally and extrinsically and not just kind of being so being insular when you're having these conversations is you never know when when the next idea is going to spark that changes everything um because yeah. that, that's what keeps keeps me like that's why i can still smile um in the light <laughs> of the obviously is that is that i have this deep belief in human ingenuity and yeah. this ability of our of humanity to change everything in ways we never even could have imagined until the moment we did and that's yeah. like i think that's it so like knowing you're out there having these conversations that we're having these conversations and more and more people are are having those, I'm so excited for when that next great idea is gonna spark. Um, or when like, a number of ideas that come together and just, it's like, oh, why didn't we think of this years ago? But, yeah. and, but at the time, have that ability to change the paradigm. And Cause I mean, looking back at like that MIT report on, um, Oh, I'm blanking on the name of it, but basically talking about a system, be using a, a finite system and like the different scenarios were they just recently. Yeah, limits, thank you. 
yeah. I'm completely blank. But yeah, they just revisited it. And the two, two that we're on is one is the status quo where everything collapses and human society, as we know, goes bye-bye um, by 2040. And that's we're on track for that. The other one is comprehensive technology, where we're fa we face disruption as we are beginning to now. But through the human ingenuity, we come up with new ways, new technology and new ways of doing things that allow us to restabilize and get to get to a, a steady state uh, economy and kind of have that yeah. shift and leverage. That. And so I'm really hopeful for that continuous technology because the alternative is, is not acceptable. For, for sure. And, and I think it's so important to keep the right mindset, too. Um, it, 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 even like over the past week, um, shared the book with a couple of colleagues to start reading um, the Kim Stanley Robinson book, the uh, Ministry of the Future, for the Future, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, and some of the initial thoughts were like, man, I hope this is not too depressing. And I'm like, no, this is what, you know, what we want to avoid. And this is total inspiration for us working even harder, putting even more exactly. energy into driving that change. So, you know, let this be a source of motivation and inspiration. Yeah, like 100%. And that's why I think it's amazing that we have authors like Kim Stanley Robinson who are kind of out there, like kind of painting futures like, hey, guys, this is where we're going. Like we need, we, I mean, we've obviously been having people paint that for a while. I mean, going back to like Silent Spring or even before, but yeah. uh, obviously it's more more dire now than it ever has been. So one thing I would love to love to hear from you is how did you like end up where you are? Like what, what brought you into this amazing role where you're able to have these conversations and really drive change on such a large scale within such an amazing uh, global company? I think a lot of good luck and some awesome leaders giving giving fortunate <laughs> opportunities. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, I, I'm a, a Metro Detroiter, um, right? We kind of share some some Michigan background there. Um, in, indeed, <laughs> as as a, an Ann Arborite. So. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was it was Dearborn Heights, um, but you know, kind of grew up in in the automotive uh, family, right? Both my dad and my grandpa worked at Ford, and I'm like, ah, so, you know, I, I guess I'll go into the automotive industry, you know. Uh, I do have, uh, you know, inherited 265 Mustangs, so, you know, that's, mm. it was heading mm. in that direction. <laughs> um, but uh, in, in school, I kind of developed the interest in chemistry for whatever reason. It was just really interesting to think at that molecular level and how do you transform things. And that kind of led me into uh, chemical engineering uh, undergrad and then some really good encouragement uh, from actually a, a neighbor and some other other uh, colleagues that are um, co-students that were like, you you really like this, so take it all the way, you know, do the PhD thing. So like, all right, yeah, that that sounds like fun. And along that way, um, I worked with uh, Professor Phil Savage at, at Michigan, who was really doing a lot to advance green chemistry, and that kind of got me into the sustainability thing. Um, but it was really Professor uh, Greg Keolian who runs the Center for Sustainable Systems at University of Michigan. Had the awesome oh, opportunity. Great, great guy. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. You know, took his industrial ecology class, and I'll, I'll never forget. It was like that first day when he's talking about just these huge global challenges, and you know, life cycle thinking, and you know, essentially painting that picture that we're not doing enough. And I'm like, this totally resonates with me, right? I mean, we've always done like family fishing trips in Michigan, and um, you know, just always had that do the right thing sort of mentality. I'm like, we got a lot more to do to do the right thing. Um, and so, you know, I kind of came home to, to my, my fiance at the time. I'm like, this is the journey I want to go on. Like, like, you know, come with me. We've we, we got to do something here. So, and that, you know, kind of finished the PhD in chemical engineering. That took me to Dow, which was, was awesome. Started as an R&D guy, but kind of quickly found a way into um, the corporate sustainability group, which happened a lot quicker than I anticipated. Um, but I'll say that when, you know, it kind of learned of this, this opening made, made, you know, just had the right conversations. 
And that was like probably the only time in my life that I've made a decision on the spot to like accept oh, something wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, in the sustainability group, let, let's go. Um, so I it had the great opportunity there to do a number of things, uh, supporting our corporate sustainability goals at the time and uh, really learning what LCA expertise is, became one of our mm -hmm. sort of LCA consultants in the company. Oh, awesome. um, and so that I had the opportunity to really advise our businesses on their sustainability thinking, you know, help them push a little bit. In that role, I always found myself challenged on the credibility side, um, because here I am advising businesses on what they should be doing on sustainability, but do I really know their markets or their products or their customers, those conversations? Like, you know, sort of, there was always like, and I was humble about it, right? Um, but that was always one thing I was kind of like, okay, how do I, how do I get better at this? And then I had the ridiculous opportunity to actually participate in an exchange program that Dow had at the time. Went over to Milan, Italy for a year. Um, oh, that sounds you know, terrible. Yeah, it, it was, you know, <laughs> era fantastico. Um, we, we brought our three dogs with us because, you know, <laughs> like you had to do that. Um, it, it was, yes, it was just incredible. But um, it, that was actually sort of being seconded into a joint venture of DAOs at the time and actually joined the commercial team. And they're sort of like, what do we do with the sustainability guy? Um, but th this was a business that was selling to brand owners. And it was kind of like, guys, there's a really important sustainability conversation here. So that was my first exposure to um, it just the business sustainability side, like those conversations, like at the business mm -hmm. level rather than the corporate level. And I found I loved it because now I did have customers and products and markets. And so I came back from that um, it, it sort of the whole time in, in, in the Dow piece was, you know, in the sustainability side, working with Dr. Neil Hawkins, who, you know, was yep. just sustainability visionary, um, you know, became chief sustainability officer and just incredible leader. And when we came back, or when we came back from the Italy thing, he's like, hey, do you want to help lead the development of Dow's 2025 sustainability goals? I was like, good, this, what an opportunity, of course, let, let's yeah. do it. So like, that was super cool to see how a company really, you know, does the work to set bold and ambitious goals and, you know, to try to push a little bit after that, that that's where I said, I want to be in a business unit. I want to be, um, you know, part, because I feel, I feel if I can understand that I can be more credible, I can help drive that mm -hmm. change a little bit more. And so that's more or less what I've been doing uh, in different forms for the last six years, still in this building and construction piece, you know, through Dow, Dow DuPont, you know, we've had, you know, some, mm -hmm. some, some uh, transformations, but um, I just completely love it. And, you know, it's the sustainability piece as well as the product stewardship team um, that, that I lead globally. So, you know, there's a big um, link between doing the right thing from a sustainability perspective and doing the right thing from a product safety perspective. And so there's a little combination there, but yeah, just uh, in, enjoying uh, everything that we, we're trying to do right now. <laughs> Ah, wow, that's that's an amazing journey. And yeah, as you say, it's, I mean, it's always those interesting serendipitous opportunities. It's kind of like sometimes it's just being in the right place at the right time and being able to and being ready to say yes. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, definitely a little bit of, you know, uh, risk taking when <laughs> when, when the, the opportunity presents itself. But um, I think, you know, from and I think, you know, we, we're both like this, right? Sort of purpose driven. If you've got the vision, you know what the right answer is. So yeah. it's, you know, kind of trust that and uh, you know, see what you can do. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned. Uh, well, a that you got to take a course in industrial ecology. Um, like that's that's one of my favorite concepts that I don't, I don't think enough people have heard of. Honestly, like industrial ecology or industrial symbiosis, and just yeah. that really I, that idea of how do how do we like how do we create a system? And again, it goes back to what we we're saying about collaboration. 
Um, like how do we create a collaborative system where you, what you might be producing as waste, I use as an input and the heat I generate, you can use in your process. And so really create, creating closed loops across multiple, multiple businesses. Uh, to me, that just gets me really excited. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's probably you know, it's just how big a nerd I am, but there's <laughs> <laughs> some great things to nerd out on. Amen. But yeah, no, you're right. Circularity before it was called circularity. Like that really, and then something that just back in the day was just, okay, that makes sense. Like when you do it like a water wheel or like all the, like when you used to have co-location of all these businesses and because waste wasn't really a thing because we didn't have landfills. Right. Like we were back before, like we got technology to the point where we could kind of like create, have waste and be okay with it. Like efficiency was it just, it's just, you use, you found a way to use everything. And so well, it's kind it of getting us back there. You're right. It's sort of like, why, why wouldn't you try to use the waste? And I, I love the, I don't know who said it, but you know, the idea that waste is a human concept, mm -hmm. right? Like that, that's, there should be no waste. So how do we, how do we yeah. transform our, you know, um, anthropogenic or, you know, um, just industrial systems that actually mimic nature in that way? Right. Well, it's like the idea of waste is only waste if you waste it. <laughs> right. Like to me, like, I like to think about like, and waste is just a lack of creativity. Like the creation of waste is a lack of creativity. Yeah, right. And a lack well, of imagination. It, it, it's a good, a good topic to jump into too, because um, that's one of the things that uh, is sort of in, in the part of the DuPont that we sit in. Um, we've got a super cool team called the Second Life Materials Team that's like looking exactly at that and trying, you know, advancing capabilities around how do we sort of turn a plant upside down and everything these guys see as waste, how, how do we use that? And they've been yeah. really successful over the past couple of years doing that. We've got a, a couple of things we're working on with them. Um, but that's, you have to have that intention, right, to, to look at that and see where there might be opportunity. Would love, from your perspective, just top three things that you see coming down the pipeline or, the, or that, like, kind of you look into the future you're really excited about. So I, I, am, I am legitimately excited about all this climate attention and focus because I think, you know, I'm seeing internally things it's prompting us to do. Um, you know, I am eagerly awaiting COP26 and, you know, we'll mm -hmm. see what sort of things ha happen there. Um, Related to that, you know, we, I'm excited about, you know, selfishly our own innovation where we are driving enormous reductions in embodied carbon for insulation products through the blowing yeah. agents. Um, we've got so many great stories that we're, we're going to be sharing on that. So that super excites me. And again, back to the teams, some of which that, that made intentionally the decision between two options and said, this one's more risky. We're not sure if we're going to be able to pull this off, but it's the more sustainable thing. It's got the lower embodied carbon. Well, let's mm -hmm. go after it. And they made it happen. Like that, that stuff That's just awesome. really excites me. Um, so th there's that. Um, I, I think, you know, circularity as well. Um, we're seeing some just really cool things that, that are coming. Um, you know, again, ultimately, the, the built environment needs to take stuff from somewhere else and give everything to somewhere else. Um, you know, I, I'm excited about our engineers and scientists that are actually looking at how do we, you know, how do we either use, re reuse, or you know, things that have existed other places in existing products, or sort of even more exciting, how do we invent new products? And we've got some mm -hmm. some examples of that that are going on. Um, so yeah, those are, are two two really exciting things I think. And just overall, um, I, earlier in the year we had sort of internal Earth Day stuff, and I put an Earth Day post out there that said um, our door is so wide open right now. Meaning it used to be you know 10, 15 years ago, maybe even earlier you had to push sustainability, right? There was kind of some the naysayers of why do we want to do this? Now it's it's such a pull. And so that that's my challenge is like, oh man, where do we spend our time? Because we've got so many things we can go do. And it's just that ability to really push forward um, and having like the expectation and just the open door to like run through it. That just like fires me up. 
That's, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm getting. I mean, it's getting me fired up just hearing you talk about it. Um, but man, yeah, wish we had more time. We'll just have to have you have you on again. This is this is a lot of fun. Our guest today has been uh, Sean Hunter from Dupont, who I forgot to mention. And we are very excited and honored that he is a member of our the new Mighty Buildings Advisory Committee, which is uh, helping us move forward and accelerate our our sustainability goals. And we're we're so honored to to have you as a part of that, Sean. So really excited to be on this journey with you. Thanks a lot, Sam. Yeah, great to be here today. Super excited about you know um, working on the the advisory board and you know just what Mighty Buildings is doing already. The vision you guys have is just outstanding. So looking forward to supporting that. Uh, thank you so much for that. And uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we got for today. This podcast is brought to you by DuPont Performance Building Solutions, who provides the marketplace with a full suite of weatherization, thermal, and air sealing solutions, such as DuPont Tyvek wraps, flashings, and tapes, DuPont Styrofoam brand XPS Rigid Foam Board, and Great Stuff and Frothback spray foams. DuPont knows the homes you build today will need to stand the test of time, expanding, contracting, breathing, and protecting for generations to come. Be sure to check back often for new episodes. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Alan Hubble, and residentially speaking, that's a wrap.